0: Hello and welcome to the Bitcoin Cash podcast episode 8. Today is the 7th of March 2021. It's a Sunday and I am streaming this episode live again. Uh, Unfortunately, with this particular episode, uh, we don't have a... (laughs) There's no guest. Uh, And that is because I was going to do an episode with a guest yesterday, but my internet... Uh, completely died at the time we were going to do it, so we might have to try and uh, reschedule that. So that's unfortunate. And also, my camera is broken if you're watching the uh, live stream as well. Oh, look. Tio Tech says hi. So uh, instead, I've decided to uh, do a solo episode just like I did with my first episode, which is one of the more popular ones. So I I don't know. Maybe maybe this would be... uh, good way to mix it up every once in a while with the with the topics and everything but I will actually be trying to follow the live chat as well and in this episode uh, if we get any viewer questions I'll try and include those at the end as well so uh, the topic for today that I wanted to talk about is the path to global adoption and then the the viewer questions so I think this is a pretty big topic it's a obviously i think it will be split up into several uh, components eventually but this is my first stab at it to really give some sort of reasoning as to why um, i have the stream uh, subtitle following bitcoin cash on its rise to global reserve currency which I, i i believe that's the end game i think bitcoin cash is going to be the future of (laughs) <laughs> of all currencies like I said in the first uh, episode and, and I still think that now um, so yeah we'll, we'll just uh, explore some of some of my reasons for that uh, in this episode I think uh, and maybe get a bit of a start on on why I'm confident I, I guess that it would it would be able to to go the distance there so let's start with the Uh, stats update that we do every week so the current price is about 509 us dollars per uh, bitcoin cash and you can currently buy 99.847 bitcoin cash for one bitcoin so it's nearly a 100 to one ratio so obviously that's not necessarily (laughs) the best uh the best indicator, if uh, if you're a strong believer in, in Bitcoin, and we'll, we'll get into this, then you might say, look, okay, it's literally only 1% of the value. Uh, it's all over, you know, the market has decided, right? That's this common refrain of uh, Bitcoin supporters. But I obviously don't believe in that uh, so much. I mean, I think it's unfortunate that Bitcoin cash is uh, so much uh, undervalued relative to Bitcoin. But i do also think it's an opportunity right you're getting a hundred to one odds that bitcoin cash can outcompete bitcoin uh that's what the that's the the setup that the market is is offering you and i mean even if you didn't know anything about cryptocurrencies what you could do is just buy one dollar of um bitcoin and ten dollars of bitcoin cash and just invest in that ratio and then whichever one uh, okay. Oh, I mean, a hundred dollars. Really, you could buy one dollar of Bitcoin, uh, and one hundred dollars of, of Bitcoin cash, uh, and invest in that that ratio, and then you know let the market sort it out. Because what matters in an investment is not necessarily the change in nominal value. So, if it goes up, if Bitcoin goes up from fifty thousand to fifty five thousand, that's a ten percent increase. That's the exact same as Bitcoin cash going up from 500 um, to 550 right So the the percentage change is what matters not the real uh, not the nominal value and also a smaller currency is it is easier to uh, appreciate with a smaller market cap. So uh, I mean that's 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 an aside people can invest in whatever ratio they want uh, but as the, for the reasons that we'll get into in this podcast, I'm <laughs> entirely unconcerned, basically, uh, about the about the about the price differential. Right. So here's one reason that I'm unconcerned. So we've been following the transactions uh, as they go and uh, on a on a weekly sort of basis, and the Bitcoin Cash uh, transactions after leveling off here for about uh, a week or you know maybe a week and a half have uh, started ticking up again and are now doing close to 350,000 transactions each day while Bitcoin uh, at the moment is on a little bit of a downtrend and it's fallen under 300,000, maybe 280,000. So Bitcoin Cash is now at a all-time high uh, in terms of the gap between Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin in transactions. And I predict that basically that gap will just keep growing. Uh, but not only will the Bitcoin cash transactions grow faster than Bitcoin, because as we've discussed before, Bitcoin is basically capped at between 300 and 400,000 transactions and never goes over that because of its one megabyte block size limit, but also the rate of change will, um, will be improving on Bitcoin cash. So as it grows, it obviously builds a more of a network and then it grows faster because there's more people involved, more people trading, more commerce that you can do with it and and more uh, people spreading the word and so on and so forth. So people are really bad at uh, thinking in exponentials, right? That is why high school calculus, I think, is a very, very important subject um, that not everybody necessarily uh, has the has a complete understanding of right, but the rate of change is more important than the actual uh, growth in, in nominal terms because the faster something grows, the faster it grows, <laughs> type idea. Right, so that's uh, that's that's good news there for, for Bitcoin Cash. It's, it's on the on the way up and it might continue. Heading, uh, heading in that direction. Okay, so uh, this is a this is a solo episode like I mentioned before so <laughs> unfortunately my I've had internet issues at my house. Uh, we had some last week still having it this week so the opportunity that I had with a guest uh, didn't really come to pass just unfortunate um, but we might try and do few questions at the end. And I also want to make the point that this is a very, very speculative episode, that this is leans far more heavily on my own opinions uh, than potentially previous, um, previous episodes. Like all, all of the episodes are to some extent my own opinion and everybody's free to agree or disagree. Um, but uh, in, this, in this case, especially, uh, I really encourage everybody to just, I'm, I'm just one person. I think I've got it right, but you don't necessarily agree and you shouldn't take my word for it. Do your own research and come to your own uh, conclusions, right? So you can listen to the previous episodes of the podcast or the future episodes of the podcast. That's definitely a good start, but also find uh, other sources of information and, and figure it out for yourself. Okay, so for Bitcoin cash to get adopted as a global currency to be the premier currency that is used in the entire world by people, by corporations, by um, governments, by organizations, charities and so on and so forth and also of course by robots, let's not forget, whether it's trading algorithms or self-driving cars or... uh, Whatever vending machines, whatever stuff that we build, the technology into uh, cryptocurrency does have a massive advantage over uh, fiat currencies in terms of being easy to integrate into automated systems. So that is a that is a part of uh, of the story. Maybe maybe I'll, I'll do another episode about that at some point but the, uh, f- for the time being, we're gonna just focus on, so to be the global reserve currency, Bitcoin Cash needs to basically outcompete three categories of competitors effectively. So the first category is of course, fiat currencies. So that's the government money that everybody is familiar with. So the US dollar is an example of that, but also the Euro or the Yen, or the Chinese yuan, or uh, the Australian dollar, or a- a- anything uh, like that—they're all fiat currencies. So fiat means uh, by decree, basically. So the government declares this is the money, and everybody has to use it uh, to pay their taxes or for businesses in that area in general. And so that's that's obviously what people are most uh, familiar with, but. I think if if uh, they can all be basically grouped into one uh, category because they all have fairly similar uh, properties, really. So the second uh, thing that Bitcoin Cash needs to outcompete is, of course, Bitcoin, and I've discussed that a little bit on the previous episodes, and we will uh, talk about that in this episode too. But it's it's in a it's in a category of its own because it is obviously the king of cryptocurrencies. Um, It has the number one market cap, and even though Bitcoin Cash has split off and it does go back to the Genesis block, so actually Bitcoin Cash is as original, uh, in quotation marks, as Bitcoin. Uh, Nevertheless, it is uh, true that uh, the Bitcoin, as with the BTC Bitcoin branding now, is is the biggest cryptocurrency, and no crypto to date has really come that close to uh, dethroning it or replacing it as number one ethereum has been number two for quite a long time now and it is still well let's just quickly check it's in a, a decent uh ratio against uh bitcoin so let's see right now bitcoin cash oh, i mean bitcoin is nearly is at 945 billion market cap and ethereum is at 191. So Bitcoin is still uh, roughly, um, you know, four, four and a half to five X uh, as big as, as Ethereum. And if we have a look at here, the dominance indicator, right? So BTC is 60% of the entire cryptocurrency market cap uh, and Ethereum is 12% and then the rest obviously tail off from there. So like I explained in the first episode of this podcast, uh, the dominance there has decreased for Bitcoin, uh, over time it used to be over ninety-five percent or ninety percent. So now down to sixty percent is actually it has actually lost a lot of ground. Um, but it is still it is still the king, right? And ultimately, if you want to be number one, which I think Bitcoin Cash is aspiring to be, uh, then you, you've got to you've got to take out Bitcoin at some point. So. That's the second category. So we've got fiat currencies, uh, number one, Bitcoin, number two. And number three is basically every other kind of cryptocurrency, right? So I'm going to lump all them together, uh, even though there are some subcategories in that. But essentially, we've got to... uh, You can can just consider everything else as being in a a third category, right? So you have Ethereum, obviously, you have Ripple, you have Litecoin, you have Tether, you have Stellar. Cardano, uh, Monero, Dogecoin, just all the other cryptocurrencies are essentially in the in the third category in my mind. So we're going to look at each of these three categories and have a, a discussion about why Bitcoin cash could outcompete uh, each of those three each of those three categories and therefore get to number one and be the biggest uh, currency in the world the most the most used and the most adopted. Okay, so we're gonna start with other cryptocurrencies because I think that helps to set the stage and it's also perhaps the, the most clear or the most believable um, to other people, right? So I've grouped these other cryptocurrencies into four main categories. So the first category is smart contract coins. So that's Ethereum is obviously a classic Example is the biggest example of that, but there's a lot of these other ones, right? Like Cardano, Polkadot, Binance Coin, etc. And what they're all trying to do is to make the uh, decentralized computing. Right? They're not focused on being a currency in terms of you go to the shop and you buy a hamburger and you trade uh, your cryptocurrency for for a meal. Instead, it's more about taking the idea of having a decentralized currency that nobody, a uh, decentralized platform that nobody is in control of, and allowing permissionless innovation in terms of apps. Right, so it could be like the app store. Basically, we've got four, uh, four categories of in the other cryptocurrencies subcategories. So, we're going to start with uh, smart contract coins. So Ethereum, all those others. They're trying to make decentralized currency uh, not decentralized currency decentralized computing so things like uh we've seen recently this craze around DeFi, right decentralized finance which is the idea that uh you could have for instance a an exchange allowing you to trade a cryptocurrency pair but instead of trading against another person. So on a regular exchange, I want to buy Bitcoin cash. Somebody else wants to sell Bitcoin cash. So we meet and I swap them uh, Australian dollars for Bitcoin cash. Uh, And the exchange just facilitates that trade. It just matches up people who want to trade with each other. But in a decentralized finance model, instead you can have a bot that owns uh, some Australian, not Australian dollars usually because it's uh, it's all on the on the on the you know cryptocurrency, right? But uh, it might own some Ethereum and some Bitcoin Cash. And if I have Ethereum and I want to buy Bitcoin Cash, I can just trade with the bot, and then the bot will adjust its prices based on the supply that it has of each of those two um, assets, and then price uh, price the market that way. And then if you have a lot of those bots with all the different trading pairs and all the different assets, you can have. Other bots that trade around between those um, between between themselves so that the market price all evens out as well. So uh, that's that's Ethereum and that's a lot of those other ones. So we will come to them, but the main point is that they're not really trying to do payments, and because they're not really trying to like because they're trying to do all these other sort of financialized applications and stuff, not necessarily just consumer transactions for goods. They are not really distracted, but they're they're on a different mission, right? So Bitcoin Cash is not really directly competing with them. Okay, so we've got the second uh, category, which is these uh, payment coins. So I think Bitcoin Cash is the prime example of that. And originally, Bitcoin Core (BTC) uh, was was the primary example of a payment coin, but it's now changed its mind, and its community has decided to be the digital gold or whatever. So they're not really in the race to be a consumer payments technology, and it's pretty easy to understand that because there stopped being news about um, about new merchants adopting. Uh, Bitcoin. It was back in the day that stores were starting to accept it and all that. But besides Tesla, very recently, who are a, a unique case, in the last three to five years, there's been virtually zero adoption of uh, Bitcoin as a consumer daily currency because the fees are too high and it's not feasible. And the c- community has uh, changed their changed their mind and moved away from that. So Bitcoin Cash is now basically the leader in that category, but there are others, right? So there is Monero, uh, which is a bit more focused on privacy. There is Dash. There is uh, Dogecoin. Even <laughs> even though it's a joke, it is sort of more in that vein of um, consumer or or casual payments uh and there's a lot of other ones right and so the the advantage that bitcoin cash has over all these other coins is basically the network effect bitcoin cash is currently bigger and it has a stronger brand than all of those other um currencies so in that respect it is uh it is i think going to out compete them because the more people you can trade with in a currency the better that currency is. And like we were discussing with the uh, exponential growth, the more something grows, the more it tends to grow. So in that way, Bitcoin Cash should hopefully not only already have an advantage over those coins, but it should be extending its advantage at a faster and faster rate that the other coins won't be able to catch up on Uh, in terms of the development in the protocol and the productivity of the community and all those sort of things, right? So that begs the question: uh, If the network effect is so important, of why would Bitcoin Cash be able to outcompete currencies that are bigger than it? Right. So how would it outcompete Bitcoin, or how would it outcompete the U.S. dollar? Uh, and um, we'll come back to that. But for the for the time being, let's just say that Bitcoin Cash, uh, largely because of the network effect, will be able to defeat smaller payment-focused coins such as uh, Monero, Dash, Dogecoin, and all those. Okay, so then we have the third category of other cryptocurrencies is stable coins. So this is things like Tether or USDC, which is issued by Coinbase. And they're basically digital tokens that are trying to uh, replicate uh, fiat currencies in some sense, uh, or or to, you know, they're pegged somehow to a fiat currency. So with uh, USDC that's issued by Coinbase, Coinbase says we've got a stash of however much a billion USD or whatever in the bank. And then we're gonna give you these uh, tokens. You can swap with us uh, USD into our bank account and we'll give you USDC. And then you can also swap back. So if you have USDC, you can swap it back to us and we'll send you uh, the USD to your bank account. uh, And, even though these are in some senses like a a payment coin um, they're obviously distinct from the previous one because they don't really benefit from the cryptocurrency uh, capability to have uh, a lack of central control right so uh, even if a usdc can be kind of have the good parts of a fiat currency where it's a bit trusted or it's known, uh, it does suffer from the downsides as, as well that a government is in control. So if the government regulates it or if the government prints a lot more of them and devalues the existing supply or whatever, then those things do impact on the USD, Uh, see whereas cryptocurrencies that do not have a government or a company or or somebody centrally in charge of them uh, uh, are able to have a fixed limited supply that you can believe in they're able to have uncensorable payments so there's not somebody able to come in and (laughs) uh, adjust who can who can't be paid according to their own whims uh, and and so on right so Again, Bitcoin Cash is not really uh, competing with those stable coins. And in fact, the stable coins I think are quite good for the uh, cryptocurrency ecosystem. Tether is maybe a bit of an exception because I think it's uh, a bit of a scam and they don't have the reserves that they claim. So it might turn into a bit of a disaster. But for something like uh, USDC, which is run by Coinbase and is audited and all of that, all that it does is it makes it easier for people to move from the fiat currency into the cryptocurrency space. It's basically creating an on ramp that benefits Bitcoin Cash and every single other cryptocurrency by reducing the, the barrier to trade uh, between those different currencies. So that's, that's a really good thing. Okay, so then we've got the last category, which is centralized and or irrelevant. So there's a lot of things going on in the cryptocurrency space uh can't really talk about every single one (laughs) in individual detail uh but if it's not a payment coin a stable coin or a smart contract coin then it's probably just tiny and not really worth talking about or it's like ripple uh which again is centralized it has a certain number it's not just anybody can sign up or it's not run by the community it has a certain approved set of people who are running it and who are in control of how everything happens, how the money supply gets issued and so on and so forth. So it has the same problems as the stable coins where a central authority uh, sort of, you know, provides its own pros and cons, right? So it limits the currency uh, in some senses and makes it more uh, useful or scalable in others. But because it's centralized, it's not a direct competitor to uh bitcoin cash which does not have those um problems okay so let's talk about ethereum right and i again uh ethereum is the premier uh, smart contract coin and you can think of all the other ones uh as basically being uh the equivalents of ethereum in terms of bitcoin cash's ability to compete with them so Cryptocurrency is complicated, right? Uh, it takes a lot to explain and for people to understand uh, that the point of a of a cryptocurrency and how it works and this and that, right? So it's taken so much time to get everybody on board with the idea of um, of Bitcoin and even then 99% of people still probably just think all of cryptocurrency is just Bitcoin or, uh, you know, and they don't know about the subtleties or the distinctions between all the different coins. And that's fair enough, right? Uh, so really what we're trying to do is get everybody over the hump to, uh, just using payments, creating a bit of a, a digital economy. That is already insanely difficult. Uh, now, if you throw in the mix, okay, we're going to add in all these smart contracts and DeFi and bot trading and all those things uh, that I was talking about before, and who knows what they'll be adding next. It's just it's just too experimental. Cryptocurrency is already uh, a huge step forward, just the idea of trading uh, coins and being able to trust them as a currency. Uh, so with Ethereum, it's not going to be the world currency because they're not they're not focused on that so what they are focused on is like i talked about before with the decentralized computing a lot of uh financialization of different assets and uh you know so on and so forth now they have uh nfts these non-fungible tokens which is basically like collectible items on the blockchain uh and then the Turing complete smart contracts, which is the idea that you could make any kind of program effectively in, uh, on, on Ethereum. But the problem uh, with putting so much power into your currency is that it has technical costs, right? So they had this classic event called the DAO, the Distributed Autonomous Organization, where loads of people put all their money into a contract that was going to run uh, a organization which was funding itself and which nobody was in control of, but it then subsequently got hacked and (laughs) all the investors lost all their money. Uh, And then the Ethereum developers came along and they rolled back the transactions uh, to reimburse everyone which was super controversial and it led to the creation of Ethereum Classic, which split off because they didn't agree with rolling back all the transactions. But when they did all of this uh, transaction rolling back and stuff, it showed that the community was willing to uh, reverse payments. So that what I was saying before about uh, things being uncensorable or being... um, you know, unmonitored by a central authority. Well, even if Ethereum has a decentralized network, it actually in history, it seems that there is actually some sort of central uh, force that will be happy to intervene uh, in the markets. And they probably need that capability to some extent because what they're trying to do is so complicated, right? Making all these contracts and so on and so forth. It's very easy for somebody to just leave a bug in there then it's very easy to have a bug even in uh, regular payment coins like Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash. But once you add another level of complexity, it gets even more likely. And so you just cannot run a global scale currency on something that is pushing the boundaries like that at such a breakneck speed. Because while cryptocurrency is innovative, it still needs to have a certain amount of stability uh, in order to be trustworthy to... Investors and to the everyday person who does not have time to be following the 100,000 different things that is going on in in Ethereum. So one example of that is their coin issuance. So I believe originally Ethereum had a fixed supply, right? Like Bitcoin has 21 million, Bitcoin Cash has 21 million. Some coins have different amounts, but in Ethereum, they had some sort of fixed amount that we were gonna get to that and that was gonna be all the Ethereum but then they changed their mind at a certain point and decided that for economic reasons or technical reasons or whatever reasons they had, that they were gonna change it to be inflationary. And I don't know the exact uh, numbers, but they basically tweaked it so that there would be more Ethereum mined forever, that it wouldn't uh, cap out like it would in um, Bitcoin Cash. So they said they had all their arguments and reasoning and they decided that that was what they wanted to do they wanted to have an inflationary instead of a deflationary system and now recently (laughs) they've changed their mind again and they now want to have an unknown system so i have a uh, link here to this uh, eip which is an ethereum improvement uh, proposal that they had uh, called 1559 which is currently quite controversial in their community. And the, the what one uh, little extract that I've taken out of it here, it says, by burning the base fee, we can no longer guarantee a fixed token supply. This could result in economic instability as the long-term supply of Ethereum will no longer, or Ether, will no longer be constant over time. While a valid concern, it is difficult to quantify how much of an impact this will have. If more is burned on base fee than is generated in mining rewards, then, Uh, Ether will be deflationary, and if more is generated in mining rewards than is burned, then Ether will be inflationary. Since we cannot control user demand for block space, we cannot assert at the moment whether Ether will end up inflationary or deflationary. So this change causes the core developers to lose some control over Ethereum's long-term monetary policy. So, again, this this might be a great idea or a terrible idea, uh it's very hard to say only only time will tell but what it is is definitely unstable is that because Ethereum are pushing the boundaries in terms of their computing and their network and what uh you know can be done about it and stuff it seems that whenever they get to uh, they identify a problem and they even identify valid or legitimate um, problems but their solution to that is usually just opening a new can of worms. So like in this case, okay, maybe they identified some problems with having a fixed supply of uh, currency, right? I, I don't think that's really too much of a, an issue, but maybe they decided that it was. And so then they changed to inflationary, but then they discovered some more problems with that or the uh, issues they've had with fees or, or whatever. So now they're trying to find another solution to that. So they're moving even further off the the map in terms of uncharted uh, territory. And so, like I said, while cryptocurrency is innovative, uh, you still want to be um, fairly aware of the, uh, of the, um, you still want to be fairly aware of of maintaining some stability uh, to have confidence for investors, and you just you're not going to get to globally adopted scale when you're changing things around at breakneck speed like this, uh, and just whatever is the whim of the the day is what's you know becoming popular and implemented uh, in the community. So for that reason, I think Bitcoin Cash has pretty stable, clear principles that it's going to be a digital, you know, peer-to-peer electronic cash for the entire world. There's a fixed limit of 21 million. The network is gonna scale in a certain way Uh, and everybody's on board with that, right? I don't think there would be any plans to do, be changing the coin issuance or to be trying to make the world's most complicated other software running it. There will obviously be some smart contracts, for instance, like with AnyHedge that I talked uh, about last week, but I think that will still be subservient or in service to the idea of being a, uh, a useful payment currency rather than being the sort of primary goal to make the most complicated uh, thing possible. Okay, so I mentioned before about the uh, network effect, I've actually spelled this wrong, it should be Metcalfe's law. Um, so, Metcalfe's law says that the value of a telecommunications network is proportional to the square of the number of connected users of the system, N squared. So the idea is that in a uh, currency or in a social network or in you know the internet or in telephones or anything like that, uh, as you add more people to the system, it gets better at a faster and faster rate it kind of comes back to that uh, exponentials that i was talking about before for instance if you have uh, a telephone and one other person in the world has a telephone then you can only call that one person and the utility is fairly small but if five people have a telephone well then suddenly not only can you call uh, five other people but each of those five people can also call the other five people so the amount of connections uh, is way increased. And then if a hundred people have um, telephones, then the amount of possible people that can talk to each other is going through the roof, right? And this just gets bigger and bigger as more people are added. So this is why uh, networks tend to be sticky, which is that uh, once uh, my, you know MySpace gets to be dominant, then in general, uh, myspace will be very difficult to outcompete of course that does happen and Facebook did outcompete them but they needed to have a very very strong uh, user case to convert people from the previous uh, bigger network onto their smaller and growing network and then you could see for instance uh, Google what was it called Google circle or I don't really remember the name of it but Google tried to make a uh, their version of um, Facebook and it failed. It didn't. It didn't convince users. It wasn't so convincing that it could create uh, users that are willing to switch. But uh, cryptocurrency or Bitcoin Cash specifically can can be that good. So, uh, like to convert somebody from um, one thing to from a bigger network to a smaller network, your smaller network can't just be like, let's say twice as good or three times as good or five times as good. It needs to be a hundred or a thousand times as good uh, to uh, to uh, be worth the effort of switching from the bigger network where there's more uh, connections as per Metcalfe's law to the smaller network where there's a smaller amount of connections. You need some fundamental distinguishing factor so uh we are seeing that in uh bitcoin cash with regards to bitcoin right uh as the uh number of transactions is indicating whether people are switching or whether they are just new people are coming into bitcoin cash the number of people transacting on that network the number of nodes uh or you know the equivalent in Macau's law of the number of people who have a telephone, uh, the number of people willing to transact in Bitcoin Cash is uh, increasing. So uh, in that sense, it you know it, it even uh, despite the price, and in fact it is actually rather unrelated to the price, um, not entirely because the higher the price goes, the more people uh, get interested in it and, and convinced to invest, but um, it you can have a lot of users without necessarily having a very high price. And you can have a very high price without having a lot of users, which is what the BTC uh, fork of Bitcoin currently has. And there's just one other thing that's important to note uh, with a uh, currency <clears throat> as compared to, Uh, Another kind of network, like uh, I was saying about uh, Facebook and MySpace, is the opportunity cost. So when you're on a network like MySpace, even if Facebook is the small website, it's very, uh, it's simple enough to post on both, right? You can have MySpace and you can have Facebook, so you can post all your content on Myspace and then you can just copy and paste it and also post it on Facebook. So even though that takes a little bit of time, right? It's, you would prefer that you only had one because all your friends were on one. If your friends are kind of split around, you can uh, copy over your content and get most of the value of both. This is less true in currencies. It's not entirely untrue, but it is less true uh, in the sense that uh, any $1 that you have in one currency is $1 that you don't have in another currency. So it is possible to have $100 of USD and $100 of Bitcoin cash. but uh, So you can spread yourself out like that. But the every $1 you, you can't But in that scenario, you can't have $300 if you know what I'm saying. You can't. Every $1 that you put into USD is $1 that you cannot be putting into Bitcoin Cash or any other currency or um, vice versa, right? So uh, in, in that sense, a, the network effect is much, much stronger because while you can have uh, a small amount in, in a lot of different currencies, in general, if all the commerce is happening on one network, you will want to have all your money on that network so you can uh, transact with everybody there easily. Okay, so Satoshi actually predicted this, which is uh, quite incredible. So I've got a quote here, and I think this would have been from probably uh, 2010 type of era uh, where Satoshi, the anonymous founder of Bitcoin Cash and cryptocurrency as a whole said, It might make sense just to get some in case it catches on. This is uh, about Bitcoin. If enough people think the same way, that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Once it gets bootstrapped, there are so many applications if you could effortlessly pay a few cents to a website as easily as dropping coins in a vending machine. So Satoshi had the idea exactly right, which is that uh, as, um, as people... Uh, as people acquire cryptocurrency, as they acquire Bitcoin um, cash, then uh, the network grows and it becomes a more attractive prospect for everybody else. So if when Bitcoin had three users, let's say, if the fourth user joins, that makes it a better uh, prospect for the fifth user to join. And in turn that makes it more for the sixth person and that process effectively never ends, right? So it's this kind of process, uh, which is how cryptocurrencies as a whole can outcompete the US dollar or fiat currencies. Because as we talked about, the fiat currencies have a much bigger network uh, effect. They already had thousands of people you could trade with or billions of people you could trade with uh, and everybody was already used to that system. So if there was no differentiating factor, then the first person would try Bitcoin or the second person would try it and think, okay, this doesn't make any sense though, and they would just stop using it. In order to outcompete the network effect, the new currency needs to be so good or so different or offering something so powerful that it can compensate for the fact that you are moving to that smaller network. And obviously, cryptocurrencies do have that uh, unique advantage, or they are that special compared to fiat currencies, because people have been switching, basically, <laughs> on mass, right? Uh, and the, the bigger uh, cryptocurrency grows, the more it is able to out. You know, the the less the ne- the smaller the network effect grows of fiat currencies, and the bigger the network effect. Grows of cryptocurrencies. So, as a, uh, as, as the bigger cryptocurrency grows, the more sure you can be that it will continue, uh, to grow. Right. So that is basically what we've been seeing. So I've got some charts here, uh, showing the uh, growth of the total market capitalization of all cryptocurrencies. So, if we're starting, my chart here starts in May of twenty thirteen, but. Uh, to be honest you know you could even go back further and it just shows that uh, cryptocurrency growing up from you know a less than one, 1 billion half a billion 500 million whatever it was at the time up to about 15 billion and then settling around the 10 billion uh, type of range and then since then it's obviously gone up again past 500 uh, billion in about January of 2018 and then past one and a half trillion in January of 2021. So people are flooding into cryptocurrencies and each new wave of investors just makes the network of cryptocurrency better and accelerates its development. So, I mean, really you don't need any more argument than that. You don't need to understand all the reasons that limited supply or the lack of central control or anything else to really uh, see that cryptocurrencies can and will outcompete uh, fiat currencies because with this uh, trend of growth, what, what would stop it, right? We're gonna look at a couple of objections people have as to what would be the, the break, what would be the, the cutoff point where cryptocurrencies just stopped. But for me, when I first found out about this, started reading about it in 2013, and I thought, what are all the reasons uh, that this trend would stop? And basically, I couldn't find any. And until uh, until today, that that is proven true. Like obviously, there is manias; crypto goes up or it goes down in in price, or it has wins and losses in terms of getting adopted globally. But uh, on a longer time frame, the adoption rate is just absolutely uh, staggering, right? So let's just maybe uh, jump back here and consider. Okay, so we've talked about. So that's how um, Bitcoin Cash can outcompete fiat currencies, right? It's pretty much just crypto as a whole is going to massively outcompete uh, fiat currencies. So that's why. Um, so Bitcoin Cash is just one part of that, right? And then we talked about how Bitcoin Cash can outcompete the other cryptocurrencies because they're either not direct competitors or because it has the network effect uh, over them, right? Okay, so. And we can see uh, an example of how cryptocurrency is out-competing fiat currencies in the fact that governments are starting to roll out their own uh, versions basically of cryptocurrencies. So I have a screenshot here of this is the digital yuan that the uh, Chinese government uh, were announcing and working on and releasing uh, last year in 2020. And I haven't checked up on the latest of uh, what, what, what stage that is at, but basically, the governments have realised that they are being uh, outcompeted, and so now they're releasing apps which are effectively cryptocurrency wallets, but just with their government currency uh, as the currency you can trade. But these uh, bank coins are going to be, um, are going to be outcompeted by cryptocurrencies, because uh, firstly, it's I mean, it's a sign of, you know, they say the the most sincere form of flattery is imitation, right? So that's what uh, governments are doing to, to cryptocurrency. But th- one way or another, these uh, central bank uh, coins uh, are going to compete against cryptocurrencies on the open market, and they're going to lose. And the reasons are, Uh, The central control, like I talked about before with stable coins and with, um, you know, with uh, with Ripple and all those sort of things. When you have a central control, it just is, it's just worse. It just means that uh, all of the innovation and all the ideas and everything all have to be signed off by somebody. Uh, Whereas if you compare to like a permissionless system like cryptocurrencies, where anybody can just, if they have an idea, they can just start doing it, and if it works, then the market will reward that, and they'll carry on doing that. And if it doesn't work, they'll stop. But they can they can just go for it, right? Uh, and ultimately, there's no government in the world with the resources or innovation or um, you know market force of of the free market. Like the internet is a classic example of this, which is that. If the internet, the more government controls there are on the internet, the less, uh, you know, new apps and things are developed, like all of the great websites and all the apps and stuff like that. It's 99% <laughs> the free market and just there's only very limited amount of government-based uh, applications on the internet. And I think everybody loves that, right? So cryptocurrency is exactly the same. Uh which is that when you have the permissionless innovation uh, that people do it because they're passionate or because they have a profit incentive uh, or they have a really good idea and they wanna make something, if they can just get out their laptop and start cracking away at it, like on Bitcoin Cash, they can just start making an application or start accepting it at at that store, that's obviously going to be uh, more attractive and in the long run uh, be more useful to uh the people and the uh, economy than a centralized government one which says that you have to accept this but people might not really want to right so at any opportunity they're going to find an ability to sell their digital yuan and get bitcoin cash or or any other crypto right which they like but i think in large part bitcoin cash and that's the same with every currency everywhere around the world like it's very difficult uh as uh, a government puts in these um these central bank uh, apps and so on and so forth to stop people trading them for cryptocurrencies obviously some uh c- countries will have greater or lesser uh restrictions on those but ultimately uh cryptocurrency is peer-to-peer right there is no central source of it and therefore if you have uh, this um this app going on uh, on your phone, then I can trade that for Bitcoin Cash with, with anybody just on the street or at a house party or wherever I'm at or a store owner or anybody really. Uh, so in that scenario, the government, they, just, they can't clamp down on every single person everywhere in the world. Nobody has that uh, kind of control. And so one way or another, the the currencies are going to trade on the free market and pretty quickly everybody's going to figure out that the central bank currencies are devaluing against cryptocurrencies, especially cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin Cash that have a limited supply. So there's not more of it being created by a central authority. And therefore, as if supply is capped as demand rises, then the price will rise and in contrast the centralized currencies there are more um more units being created by the government and so they're devaluing everybody's money and individual investors are not that stupid they they'll figure that out and they know okay well if my money is losing value if i have it in this government coin but it retains value or increases in value in cryptocurrency well then, I should do, sell my sell my government coins and buy cryptocurrency, and that's what you know exactly what we've been seeing on this uh, previous slide where I talked about cryptocurrency getting uh, getting adopted uh, in waves. So that's how Bitcoin Cash is going to outcompete uh, fiat currencies, right? So it's going to outcompete the uh, other smaller cryptocurrencies, like we talked about. It's going to outcompete the Fiat currencies, um, like we talked about, and I mean, here's here's a few objections, right, that people have to these kind of ideas that I've been talking about. So um, from people who don't really know much about crypto and they, if you put this idea to them that uh, fiat currencies are going to get out competed and Bitcoin Cash or, or any other cryptocurrency is gonna just completely take over, uh, then they, I've, I've got some main points that they often make, which goes something like this. So the first one is basically any kind of variant of I don't get it or I don't like it or something like that, right? It's too complicated or whatever, what, whatever their objection is, that's basically what they mean is that they don't understand it. Uh, and that's the same for any technology, right? The internet, nobody understood the internet to start with or mobile phones or email or literally anything that has been developed ever people start out not understanding it and then over time they learn and they get more comfortable and familiar with it and before too long it just becomes uh assumed and that's exactly the same thing that we've seen with cryptocurrency so uh on on one hand people just get used to new technology time goes on you know young people adapt old people uh you know die off or they or they don't uh you know or they get with the trend right so uh on on one you know that's one huge force for cryptocurrency adoption and a second one is that user interface development and engineering uh hides complexity over time so uh, it's definitely decreased in complexity how hard it is to get uh cryptocurrency um, and how hard it is to use because the wallet software has got better and the exchanges have got better and the documentation and the explanatory videos and the tutorials, all of that is constantly, constantly getting better and making it easier and easier for people to get involved in cryptocurrency. So it's uh, they meet in the middle where on one hand, people are getting more used to the idea and on the other hand, it's also getting easier for them to get involved. Okay, so then you have an argument which is basically that Bitcoin will never replace real currencies, right? Uh, And that's, pretty easy to dismiss that's basically just haters are gonna hate right uh, in the last 10 years cryptocurrency has just exploded in popularity there's pretty much no technology in the world which has been created as quickly or had as much interest or adoption as fast as cryptocurrencies right it's now more than a one and a half trillion dollar uh, type of type of industry like I don't think there is any other industry that was invented and has just grown at that insane speed. Um, So, I mean, anybody who says this is never going to happen is just showing their own uh, inability to see the future or follow the trend uh, because it's pretty obvious that cryptocurrency just grows and grows and grows at an insane rate. Uh, And if they don't see that, well, they don't see that, but that doesn't mean it's not happening. Right, then they talk about volatility, it's too unstable, um, it's never gonna work because people don't wanna lose 20% of their money overnight, etc etc Okay, so we talked about that already in episode seven, but the fact is that A, there's uh, stable coins. So like we talked about with Tether and USDC, if people want to have a stable amount or any hedge on Bitcoin Cash, then they can have a stable amount if that's their, Priority. And the other thing is that obviously volatility is not a problem because, as we've seen, this huge growth in cryptocurrencies, um, you know, obviously that's not a problem. If it was a problem, uh, it, it would have already stopped cryptocurrencies, but it hasn't. It's been volatile and it's been growing. So, obviously, it isn't uh, really that much of an issue. Okay, then we get on to regulation and banning. That's another common uh, objection or complaint, right? is that oh, if this gets too big the government will uh, ban it or they'll block it or whatever and that that is true like m- maybe that will happen and in some places in the world we have seen some of that but generally it's been quite an ineffective strategy uh, for governments around the world and the reason is because the countries are all in a prisoner's dilemma against each other so um, if Let's say that any particular country decides they want to ban uh, cryptocurrency, they wanna ban Bitcoin, they wanna ban Bitcoin Cash, uh, they wanna ban every other crypto. All that does is it takes them out of the economy. Cryptocurrency is global and it spreads by the internet. So uh, in that scenario, people will just move their cryptocurrency companies or their developers or their adoption they'll just take it somewhere else and that other country who is accepting to cryptocurrency will get a huge influx of capital of resources of uh, economic growth as all the industry is happening in their company in their country and not in the country that bans it. So every uh, country that bans it uh, as they put in those bans all they're doing is they're taking themselves out of the race and they're just Uh, accelerating ahead every other every other country essentially and the more countries that ban it the higher the incentive goes for any currents any country to say right we're going to be the cryptocurrency haven and then (laughs) obviously there's always going to be some small or um, freedom uh, based country in the world that is willing to take that chance and say we'll accept cryptocurrency like if the more countries that did ban it, and historically there actually hasn't been a huge wave of bans around the world, but even if there was, um, then it would just become more and more obvious for some country somewhere to say, let's just make it all legal and all the money will just flood into our country. Uh, So not really worried about that. And also, uh, even in a scenario where a country tries to ban the uh with the regulation and everything like that uh it's just tends to be not that uh effective right which is that um in the united states now for the last (laughs) couple of decades they've had a war on drugs which is that they want to ban and you know remove all the war on drugs and yet, anywhere in the <laughs> in the United States, you can get drugs if you if you want to get them. Uh, I definitely don't have personal experience with that, but I know that it does it does happen, right? Uh, people can can get drugs if they want them. So if people want something bad enough, they find a way to get it, and the ultimately the state only has limited enforcement powers and limited resources, so it can't track down every single uh, person who is involved in. Uh, in drugs, so how are they going to do that with uh, with cryptocurrency? And that's even in the U.S., where they have a very uh, strong law enforcement. And in many countries in the world, it's it's even less uh, of a possibility for the government to control what's going on. Right, their own population or their own scenarios is it such a case that they want to have certain laws, but yet they're just routinely ignored because the population knows that. The, the government can't, uh, can't enforce whatever rules it wants to enforce. So uh, that those two things between them basically mean that regulation and banning is not an issue. If it gets banned somewhere, A, the ban isn't gonna be effective and B, other countries will just take up the slack. Everybody will just relocate, right? It's an internet-based thing. All right, now we've got one file. This is a bit of a uh, esoteric point as well, but people in this sort of digital gold narrative um you know they'll try and say oh well it's like a better version of digital gold and people who are uh gold bugs who really invest in that and, and whatever they say well but cryptocurrency can't survive a solar flare right if there was a electromagnetic pulse around the whole world that knocked out the whole internet well then that's the end of your cryptocurrency and that that is true but if there is something that knocks out the whole internet and all our global infrastructure we're going to have a lot more problems than uh worrying about cryptocurrency it'll it'll be uh you want to have bullets and uh water stored in that scenario you're not really going to need uh, gold you're not going to need cryptocurrency you're not going to need gold you're going to need uh it's going to be lord of the flies if if everything collapses to that uh Extent so yeah, maybe cryptocurrency isn't that great in that scenario, but neither is fiat currency and neither is uh, gold really uh, Okay, and then people who do understand cryptocurrency a little bit one objection they have is well maybe cryptocurrency currency can't scale right that the technology will hit a cap at some point and uh, We won't be able to get to you know millions of transactions per day that you would need to support the entire uh, planet's uh population or, or whatever, maybe billions of transactions, uh, especially once you throw in robots and automated trading, and everything like that, um, that I was talking about. So, uh, that's a that's a bit of a separate topic, and I will do a separate video about that at some point. But let's just let's just assume for the moment that that's that's not going to be an issue, or that there are solutions on the horizon for that and i've got a link here to an article that uh, people can have a look at that is talking about bitcoin cash operating at the scale of visa Uh, but and there's there's plans to to move beyond that right okay so we've talked about how bitcoin cash can outcompete other cryptocurrencies and we've talked about how it can outcompete fiat currencies especially the us dollar so finally we just get to uh bitcoin so i think this is probably actually the toughest category for Bitcoin Cash, to be honest, I think it will be harder for Bitcoin Cash to outcompete Bitcoin than to outcompete the U.S. dollar. Even if it happens, uh, you know that it outcompetes Bitcoin and then outcompetes the dollar. I think the bigger hurdle is for it to get past uh, Bitcoin, and at that point, it will be basically unstoppable. So uh, the arguments, essentially, on the side of Bitcoin uh, now that it has jammed up its network and they have very little innovation or solutions, their arguments essentially come down to these uh, two-ish points. Maybe there's a third one, which is the brand name, right? So Bitcoin has a bigger brand that people trust more. So that's a kind of network effect uh, type of argument. But really what comes up a lot when people talk about this is the price. So like we talked about before, it's a 100 to 1 uh, ratio at the moment. But uh, the reason I'm not uh, worried about that is because the price changes all the time, right? The price is not locked in stone uh, according to anything, right? If uh, if your argument was that the price is, is the price and that's the end of the story, well, then when Bitcoin was $1, it should never have got past $1, right? But then it got to $10, but then it got to $100, but then it got to $1,000 and $10,000 and $50,000, right? The market changes its mind. The market doesn't just pick one thing and then the world stops and uh the price is fixed forever and it never changes no that's not the case the cryptocurrencies between themselves are constantly rising or falling above each other and cryptocurrency as a whole is constantly rising or falling against fiat currencies right so this is it's just a process and you've got to think in the in the long run about what the what the value is So then the second argument, uh, which I would say is probably the best, uh, argument for a, uh, Bitcoin supporter, the one sort of legitimate, uh, concern that they do have as to why it would be better than Bitcoin cash is the hash rate, right? That most of the miners in, um, in most of the miners of, uh, bitcoin and bitcoin cash most of them are on uh, bitcoin therefore it's a bigger network and it's more secure and that's true right that is that is actually uh, a good point but the counter argument to it is that it's it's essentially just the price argument uh by a different name which is that the miners uh will uh, they're trying to run a business right they're trying to be profitable and therefore if the market price is 100 times higher on uh, Bitcoin, then 100 times more miners will go on that because there will be more profit to spread around. And then once 100 times more are on that thing, then the the two coins stabilize uh, and they are equally profitable to mine. So if the price goes up on Bitcoin Cash, then more miners will switch over to it. Uh, And consequently, you know, the other way around, if the price goes down, then less miners will switch onto it. But the the mining is actually not related to the transaction throughput directly, right? So Bitcoin Cash can operate at global scale with only 0.00001% of the Bitcoin hash rate. It would be a lot less secure. Um, but it can it, it wouldn't actually break or there wouldn't be any problems in terms of uh, processing a huge level of transactions. So uh, as regards to the hash rate, it's to me, it's sort of like the, the price. It, it just explains that, which is that as Bitcoin Cash adoption spreads um, and as the as the value on the network increases, eventually the market price will rise as everybody realize that Bitcoin has the brand name, but it's still quite a high fee, inefficient, uh, useless network, and everybody switches over to Bitcoin Cash. And once they do that, the miners will just, will just follow, it will just be a natural um, sort of conclusion to that, right? Uh, so then the arguments for Bitcoin Cash Uh, as to being able to overtake it, is that the efficiency is just so much higher on the Bitcoin Cash chain. So I took this screenshot yesterday, so it's currently about 4,962 times more expensive to transact on BTC, Bitcoin, than on BCH, Bitcoin Cash. Uh, And this number fluctuates, but it has been, even recently, as high as 15,000 times higher, right? because the Bitcoin cash fees are less than a fraction of one cent and the Bitcoin core fees can be $5, $10, $15 and they're only trending higher over time because as we saw before they have a fixed transaction uh, limit and when they have a fixed amount of transactions then everybody is competing to pay more than the next person to do their transaction. So in that scenario Uh, Bitcoin is actually fighting uphill. The network gets worse the more people that adopt it because as more people adopt it, there's more competition and the fees uh, increase, right? So it's like they're fighting into a headwind and the more progress they make, the stronger the wind comes to be pushing them back. So where are all those fees going? Well, they're going into the miners' pockets. And as we were talked about just before, the mining... So the miners uh, then spend that to build, you know, more infrastructure and whatever, but nothing uh, anchors that to Bitcoin and that if the price changed, all that money that the Bitcoin community spent uh, spending their own money on fees uh, to give to the miners could then just switch over and be supporting uh, Bitcoin cash. And I think there's actually a very good example of how the Bitcoin cash community is more hardcore and they are more dedicated than uh, BTC in the number of nodes on the network. So when uh, the two currencies split, there was a lot of disagreement about, okay, if we're going to raise uh, the cap, then it will be bad for node operators because they won't be able to store all of the demands of this bigger size of the network. And so in that, um, in that way, uh you know everybody disagreed uh, about that whether you know how big of an impact it would be but we've now seen we've now got some data and like i said before the the price is just about 100 to one but the number of nodes is about nine or ten to one so the bitcoin cash uh or bitcoin is a hundred times more valuable than bitcoin cash but it has about ten thousand public nodes on its network And Bitcoin Cash is 100 times less value, and yet it has about 1200 or nearly 1300 uh, on its uh, nodes, on its network. So the price ratio is 100 to one, but the nodes ratio is about nine to one. So even though the complaint was that Bitcoin Cash network would uh, not have enough nodes, well, actually, uh, there's a much higher percentage of the Bitcoin Cash community that either for, you know, if they're running a business and so they need to run a node, or if they're just very passionate and dedicated to the project they run at node, the percentage of people willing to do that is much, much higher on uh, Bitcoin cash than than on Bitcoin. So that has not been a problem. And in addition, uh, node operators like to think that they're very, very important to the success of the currency. Uh, But I disagree with that because, they, it's not bad to have nodes, just like when we talked about in a previous episode about speculators. It's not bad to have speculators in your economy, but it's much more important to have, let's say, entrepreneurs, right? Because they actually contribute value to the economy um, than speculators. In the same way, it's, it's helpful to have nodes. They're not bad. It's not that you don't want them, but they're much less important than uh, economic users and businesses, and uh, real uh, economic value, right? You could have, you could start a new fork of uh, Bitcoin called, you know, Bitcoin Jeremy. I could start that tomorrow. And if I had a lot of money, I could run 40,000 or 200,000 or a million nodes in an AWS data center. But that wouldn't make that network very valuable at all. It would just mean that I was spending a lot of money on having a lot of nodes, right? And in the original design of um, Bitcoin, uh, the the nodes, and there was no nodes. Basically, the nodes were the miners. Uh, he does talk about uh, nodes in the network, um, in the white paper, but the what he means is miners, right? Because the miners secure the chain, so it is quite important to have a lot of a lot of miners. But non-mining nodes, which were uh, sort of a later invention. Uh, they do help because they propagate around transactions, but you can basically get away uh, without them. So I think Bitcoin Cash is already out-competing with its number of nodes, but even then the disparity of nodes is not that critical of an issue. And once again, if the price rises on Bitcoin Cash, I'm sure uh, we'll get a lot more nodes. Um, so yeah, and the effectively the community is is really what... What makes the difference between the two as well, which is that the Bitcoin Cash community has a lot, a lot of cryptocurrency veterans. It has the people who were there in the early days, and it also has very productive uh, members. Right, people are excited about it, and they will uh, start podcasts like this one. Right, or they'll uh, start businesses, or they will wear you know shirts with the Bitcoin Cash logo, or they'll make artwork or cakes or all the different things that I've uh, been showing on the on the podcast with the bitcoin community they're not as productive right the main thing that they seem to do is they go on reddit or on forums or whatever and they post about how they're getting rich right they're not they're not playing the long game they're not thinking about how can we spread this to the entire world all they're trying to do is uh, have like digital pet rocks, right? They've got, they've bought their Bitcoin, which they think is their digital gold. And then they're just waiting and hoping that uh, if, you know, Tesla or, um, you know, some banks or whatever buy their coins and just do the same thing to just sit on them, uh, digital gold, like locked in a vault, that then that would be a very useful currency. But that's, that's completely backwards because the whole, use of a currency is that you can trade it, right? So if there's not people buying and trading for real goods and services, then in the long run, your currency is just going to fail. And in fact, gold uh, is used or known for storing value because it used to be a currency, right? It was a currency first, people were trading it for goods and services, and then because it had that history, it established that reputation. But Bitcoin, BTC, now is not being used really for pretty much any, uh, commerce, you know, definitely not for like casual transactions and the same things that we've already talked about where they're, they're capped. And one other thing, uh, to think about is that, uh, when it comes to the U S dollar or to fiat currencies, uh, cryptocurrency grows against those because it has such a passionate and involved and proactive community, whereas fiat currencies don't Right. The US dollar does not have <laughs> hundreds of thousands of people going out there saying, hey, use the US dollar, Like it's great. Look, we built this new app, we built this new uh, like thing specifically for that currency. Uh, you could say, okay, maybe governments or maybe the banks are invested in the success of that uh, currency, but they aren't monolithic entities, right? A bank or a government is just made up of a number of individual people. And if those individual people have no allegiance to the US dollar or they can see that, well, I might need to switch uh, and be on the cryptocurrency train or I'll get left behind, then they're going to do that. Right. I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, we've, we've been seeing, especially recently, a lot of banks have been buying cryptocurrency right the banks themselves and i'm sure the people in the banks are also the employees and the ceo and whatever i'm sure they're buying cryptocurrency too and the same with governments where the government can say oh okay maybe we're going to have a stance against uh, cryptocurrency or whatever but as i've explained if cryptocurrency is spreading around the world into some other country those government employees are still going to be thinking wait i'm going to be left behind on this trend um so the defection of their individual members over to the cryptocurrency side uh is is basically uh inevitable in that in that sense right like no but nobody has a forum where they're just sitting there discussing the australian dollar and how it's the best thing and how we can create new apps and services and spread adoption and nobody does that but people do that for cryptocurrencies routinely, and that crowd of people just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing. So that's another uh, reason why uh, cryptocurrencies will outcompete fiat, and it's a reason why the Bitcoin Cash community, specifically, I think, will outcompete uh, Bitcoin and pretty much all other cryptocurrencies as well, because it it has the most the most hardcore, the most committed uh, community and. That's a that's a result basically of the trauma that it's been through, right? Where uh, Bitcoin Cash had to fork away from Bitcoin and give up the, uh, you know, the brand name and all the momentum and everything that the Bitcoin um, community had. Uh, it had to split off uh, because it just believed so passionately that we should have a peer to peer digital currency, uh, electronic cash instead of a gold or whatever whatever other ideas. And then later on, uh, there was the Bitcoin SV fork and then the Bitcoin Cash ABC fork that both also left the communities, you know, they had different ideas about things that they wanted to do or their own, you know, technical uh, changes or whatever they wanted. And but they they left right And so the hardcore that is still there in in Bitcoin cash like that is a very battle tested community, right? They've uh, been through been through a lot. And and they're still still get, working away at it. And anybody who's left in the scene, they're there because they want to be there, and because they definitely know that this this is the one, this is the best one. This was Satoshi's original idea, a peer to peer electronic cash, and that's what the world needs. Uh, and that's what they're fighting for, and that's what I'm fighting for as well. So, uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully the listeners get involved in that too. But that's that's up to them, right? Um, everybody can uh contribute in their own way uh as they sort of see fit so yeah really that's it um now uh that's pretty much the end of the show um as usual uh you can donate um the slides and resources i'll link at the bitcoin cash podcast.com uh i still don't think i've got any patreon subs but you know that's fine no big no big deal there and uh, yeah I think the stream was not really working The um, seems to have gone out so I did cut it off halfway through uh, the stream uh, and yeah so I don't think we're going to have any viewer questions unfortunately but I will be trying to yet again figure out a solution for my internet issues because I think it would really be cool uh, to stream these episodes live and have uh, live interaction and all that um, but as usual, uh, I hope you enjoyed. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh should be, should be back uh, with a guest, hopefully, next time as well. And uh, I'll leave it there. He pulled out his laptop and bring up the site, looked at me and said, this will change your whole life. Then he started explaining the basics to me. The miners make money by taking the fee. Every time a transaction is made and complete and they work every minute and day of the week. A guy named Satoshi created this all. He's the mastermind of it, the brain in the ball. There's a lot more to say, but before I begin, just tell me right now if you're out or you're in.